Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, Dr. Henry Morris III, CEO of the Institute for Creation Research, will cover part five of a 10-part series on the six days of creation. Here's Dr. Morris. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and season and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now that the planet had been properly prepared, the earth was ready for its clocks. The space-matter-time universe had been created, a shield of waters had been put in place somewhere above the heavens, and the earth itself had been developed with seas and lands and food for the living creatures that were coming. Although there was some light that streamed into the creation, and the dark was divided from the light in an evening and morning cycle, there was no way for the future inhabitants to understand the successive passage of time. Thus, there must be a timekeeping system for signs and season and for days and years. There's a play on words in the Hebrew text that's easy to miss in any translation. God describes the reason for his action this way. Let them, that is the lights in the heaven, be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light on the earth. The word translated lights is ma'or, the second term is simply or. Obviously, the terms are related, but they do have a significantly different application. Ma'or is used to represent the light holders or light bearers. Or defines the essence of light itself, like light energy, we might say, or perhaps visible light. The light holders of day four are the luminaries, the Ma'or that carry or give off the light, the or that we see. Perhaps a few references using ma'or will help us illustrate how the term is used. In Exodus 13:21, God talks about a pillar of fire to give light. In Leviticus 24:2, pure oil of pressed olives for the light. In Numbers 4:9, the lampstand of the light. In Psalm 74, you've prepared the light and the sun. In Ezekiel 32, all the lights of the heavens. In each of these references, light refers to the ability to hold or to contain the light that enables us to see. The Lord specifically said of the sun and the moon that they were to give light on the earth. 
God made these light holders as distinct from created. Apparently, God encapsulated the light of day one into several different kinds of luminaries. In 1 Corinthians 15, 41, there are a number of different terms that are applied to the kinds of stars, for instance. And he gave these luminaries the responsibility to rule the day and the night and to set up a recognizable and reliable system for signs and seasons and for days and years. Now, when describing the purpose for these luminaries of the heavens, God indicates that they were to be for signs. The English word is sometimes used for a miraculous event or some observable sequence that foretells a coming event. In this case, the Hebrew word, orth, it's sometimes pronounced, is not normally used that way. It usually speaks of a mark or a token that identifies rather than foretells. A few references may help us understand how God uses the term. In Genesis 4, the Lord set a mark on Cain. In Genesis 9, he sets his rainbow in the clouds and be for a sign of the covenant. In Genesis 17, you'll be circumcised for the flesh and it shall be a sign of the covenant. In Exodus 10, I've done many signs in Egypt. Again, in Exodus 12, the blood shall be a sign for you. These things are useful to help us understand that when God was talking about the, the work that these things were to do, they were to be like an identifying mark. Many more references could be cited, but these should suffice to illustrate that the lights in the heavens were never intended to be some sort of astrological sign, that is a miracle or foretelling, nor was there ever any hint that these majestic rulers of the heavens were to be worshipped. The horrible rebellion that happened under ancient Babel with Nimrod as a ruler, told about in Genesis 10 and 11, fell into that trap. The nation of Israel repeatedly served other gods and worshipped them. And, of course, the command was, you don't do this either to the sun or the moon or any other host of heaven. No, these great lights in the heavens were to serve as marks of the passing of time. Their role was to function as a clock, a long clock, not only the day clock of day in and day out, evening and morning, ruling the day and the night, but signs and seasons and days and years, a passage of time that we would be able to tell and understand how things were progressing. God, in his final work of making and shaping, was putting the cosmos of the earth into order. Now it's time for a short break. We'll hear more from Dr. Morris in a moment. Dinosaurs are fascinating creatures. Seeing their fossils inspires a sense of awe and wonder that sparks the imagination. We're learning more about them all the time, but many questions still remain. Are dinosaurs really millions of years old? Did they live at the same time as humans? How do they fit with the Bible? And why are they extinct today? The Institute for Creation Research addresses these questions and more in their full-color and easy-to-read book, Guide to Dinosaurs. Guide to Dinosaurs delves into the history of dinosaurs, fossil discoveries, dinosaur kinds, and what the Bible has to say about these mysterious creatures. It serves as a helpful resource for parents and kids alike. 
Order your copy of Guide to Dinosaurs from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation. Here's Dr. Morris. Now, in addition to their role as markers for the passage of time, these lights were also to serve for seasons. Again, the word choice is significant. The Hebrew term is designed to specify an appointed time. Here's a few references where that term is used. In Genesis 17, God says, I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. In Exodus 23, you shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I command you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. In Jeremiah 8, the stark in the heaven knows her appointed times. In Hosea 2, take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its season. So these are functions of these light systems. They were to be a clock reference for long periods of time. God placed those luminaries in the heavens and designed them as identifiers of time passage but he also orchestrated their design and function so that they would identify specifically appointed events during time. The most obvious is the time of the Messiah and the fulfillment of all the prophetic promises of history. In Galatians 4, we read, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And of course, in Matthew, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Although this discussion is not about the miraculous incarnation of our Lord Jesus, the Word made flesh, that event was appointed in the design of the Creator and was so significant that the markers of heaven provided a visible testimony of that appointment. But the ordinary role of these lights in the heavens is far more common. So common, in fact, we seldom give it much thought. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down, according to Psalm 104:19. Every passing day, every passing month, each turn of the seasons, we simply say, that's the way it is. And other than an occasional grumble about the changes in the weather, we ignore the marvelous stability of our planet's appointments. Indeed, we know the Earth is orbiting the sun and that her rotational cycle let us experience the evening and the morning. But we see and speak of the sunset and the sunrise. We understand that the moon regulates the tides of our oceans, but we rarely give the Creator credit for appointing the moon to rule that way, science has begun to graft the significance of the precise tilt of the earth on her axis that provides the energy disbursement mechanism that enables the seasons. But how often do we remember that the Creator promised, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease? What a marvelous promise! God designed it this way. That's, as a matter of fact, 
why we can do science. We can depend on what we see. The events of the fourth day were very important. And there's this little phrase, he made the stars also. The Bible reveals that there are enormous numbers of stars, and they are all named by their creator. When God spoke to Job, he insisted that Job ought to be able to observe the specified order in Pleiades and Orion, and that the seasonal changes in the Maseroth, the twelve divisions, were common knowledge as well as the easily recognizable ordinances of heaven. Not one of these unaccountable stellar lights was developed over eons of time. By the word of the Lord, he heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.